Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the first episode of the new What Podcast. I am so excited to be here. Now, uh, for those of us who have been listening to the What Podcast before, what used to stand for women's hoops and talks, and we are still women talking about hoops, but we thought that it would be a fun time to rebrand ourselves because everybody wants to rebrand, right? Um, so we have rebranded ourselves into We Have a Take because... We have a take, and so can you. So we are very happy to be here. My name is Tara. I am at TCB Biggs on Twitter, and I am here with my lovely and extremely capable co-host, Cassidy. Hello. Cassidy, so glad to have you today and doing this together again. I am so excited. I am so excited that we actually have an NBA season again so quickly. I complain about off-seasons constantly, so I will take a shorter one. This is absolutely uh, what's up is down and down is up, and this is like this next week is going to be absolutely bonkers. Let's see. We are recording this on Sunday, right before the um, three or the first thing that happens is trades are allowed. Then we've got the draft, and then we have free agency starting all within seven days. And Woj is already out there with his little, like, so-and-so is expressing interest in so-and-so. How much coffee do you think is just, like, ready for Woj for the week? Like, do you think that there's, like, a brewing system? Do you think he has, like, canned cold brew do you think he's got like everything laid out for him just to keep him going? Cause I feel like I saw that a lot with election coverage and I feel like I'm going to see it a lot with, um, the NBA coverage this week. And so I feel like they're just all very caffeinated. Well, and also like because so much of the country has gone back in lockdown, are they all going to be like in their houses? Are they really going to risk putting people in studios? So like if they're in their houses, they can at least change their clothes during a commercial break. <laughs> Not like if they get stuck at the studio and they have to wear the same suit for four days. Yeah. I like that. I like, I also just like really appreciate when kids randomly walk into the background now is like a new thing that we've discovered in sports reporting and like somebody just like walks in and is like oh no a mom's recording an episode and we are they're live i'm just gonna walk out or sometimes they don't they're like i really need that thing in that room um that's where my halloween candy's at so i don't know (laughs) yeah the best thing's the teenagers who walk around in the background who just don't even care at all (laughs) they're like i'm on my phone i don't know what you're talking about um which i mean Live your best life, teenagers. <laughs> exactly. I mean, obviously, this pandemic and COVID has had devastating consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, it has turned everybody's world upside down and, you know, including the sports world. I think it's interesting that uh, we've sort of, as a society, found that just having a little bit of something to work look forward to seems to be – seems to help with like the mental health aspect of it because it's hard oh yeah and i think the looking forward to something thing is definitely big and i didn't think especially when we were going into the bubble season i was like okay how much is this really gonna like help society versus hurt it really did help like the mental health aspect i really felt like Especially NBA fans are just kind of a community in itself, and WNBA fans are a community. And so to have all of that happening at once when you're so isolated from the world, but to be kind of connected virtually and about one thing, I think Mm -hmm. really helped bring people together in a way that it allows you to stay home, it allows you to be safe, but it also allows you to feel like you're connected to something bigger than yourself, which I think is so important right now. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if, if it wasn't for having, you know, the, for me, it's like the holiday thing isn't that hard because I'm lucky enough that my family is in town. And even though I haven't like physically seen my mom all that often, you know, I've gone over to her house, I've dropped stuff off. So I'm, I'm lucky to, to be in that situation. And my kids come nearby and they, they, they drop by and we all wear masks and hang out for just a few minutes here and there. But I know for a lot of people, that's just not possible. They're far away from their loved ones. Their loved ones are maybe somewhere where they can't visit. And that's just like my heart goes out to them. 
But for me, like just have, like we said, having something to just take our minds off of it and like think about like, you know, who's going to end up in Portland? Who's going to end up on the Lakers? It's it's just something different to kind of break the monotony. <laughs> yeah. And it all gives us something to talk about as a community together, which I think something that's fun to talk about is a really good thing to have right now. And I'm Absolutely. very excited to have that crazy week to dive in with our fellow basketball fans and kind of experience the the madness together. Our first new playlist definitely needs to start off with I'm so excited. Oh, definitely. <laughs> we may actually need to change the name of this podcast because I think we've already said it like 10 times. <laughs> Welcome to I'm So Excited. Exactly. A podcast about we don't know, but it's basketball. Um, <laughs> but we're excited. We're excited about it. Um, uh, w- oh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I am. I'm definitely excited about the draft, particularly when it comes down to this this time, because I think the draft is so crazy fun most of the time. And I think. I think that there might be extra tears this year. Will you watch the draft? Because, you know, it's just more of an emotional year. And you're going to watch players' dreams come true during kind of a crazy hard year and watching them kind of realize that lifelong dream in this moment of craziness, I think is going to be really beautiful to watch this year and kind of see that happen as weird as it's going to be and how it, it won't be what they've always dreamed it was going to be. It won't be that that moment that they kind of have imagined their whole life, but it doesn't take away of how special that moment is. It's just different. The different celebration. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a great point to bring up. Just like, you know, I saw that the NBA had mailed out like packages to everyone of the I don't know which one who who got I guess it's like the equivalent of the green room, but maybe yeah. even a bigger because they sent each uh potential draftee got all 30 hats <laughs> hats from 30 teams so they could put them on i know isn't that cute that's just like oh i mean it's just i don't know we're we're just thinking about things in such a different way than mm-hmm. we have been like we're still con- need to carry on and you know these guys who have worked so hard who've just been grinding for so long they still need to carry on and do that but it's just in a completely different atmosphere and you know, I think people tend to resist change and now it's sort of thrust upon everyone. Yeah. But I think embracing, despite maybe not wanting to change, embracing those changes for the best. So yes, these players aren't going to get to be in that room with everyone and shake that hand and have that moment, but you get to be in your home and immediately celebrate with the people who've who are going to be your most impactful people in your life, pretty much. I would assume that that's who will be surrounding these people on that day. And so I think once you get to turn off that that camera, you're not in a room where you have to all act. You can part, you can, you can live it up and celebrate the dream that just came true, and it'll be odd to be in your living room, but you get to be there immediately with the people that helped you get there. And so yeah. I think that there's a there's a balance of yes you're not going to get to be in the big room but there's also not going to be cameras watching you every moment of every second to catch every reaction like how they watch players while they're not getting drafted and how we mm-hmm. keep seeing their faces as the thing ticks on and you just feel bad for them. I assume we're going to see some of that but I think there will be a level of less pressure on those players to maintain kind of this new facade of I'm an NBA player and I'm being thrust into this really fast. And so this is how I think I'm supposed to be for this moment right now until you kind of grow into your own NBA-ness. And so I think, I don't know, I think it's going to be fun. I think it'll be interesting. It's going to be weird, but it gives us something more to focus on. The weirdness adds another level of like interest. So I don't know. For I think sure. it'll be fun. I'm excited about it. 
I, I always, you know, I've been thinking a lot about just like this massive consumer culture that we've turned into and like everything has to be such a massive undertaking and a huge big deal and like full of pomp and circumstance and, you know, cost tons and tons of money. Like think about like that event that they put on, you know, at the Barclays Center or wherever. I mean, that is just like over the top giant and it's just we've like just fed off of ourselves year after year it's got to be bigger got to be bigger got to be bigger and this kind of like let resets like mm-hmm. okay does it really need to be bigger does the fact that you were in your own living room at home when you found out just like they used to in the way way olden days um you know were you does it make it any less true that you're now an nba player it doesn't you're still an NBA player. Well, and in so many other sports, that's how you find out. Baseball yeah. players don't find out via a big event. They find out usually via a phone call or on the radio if they're a later pick. And so I think yeah. maybe reaching out to your your fellow athletes in different, different sporting uh, events and kind of saying like, well, how did you celebrate this moment? Because you didn't have that and maybe kind of embracing that and creating your own kind of special night, special day to celebrate your accomplishments and everything. And then kind of maybe taking a little bit from your friends and saying, oh, okay, this is how they did it. They don't get the big party. (laughs) They're still happy. They're still jumping around. They're still a professional athlete. Okay, so we're more than 10 minutes in and we completely forgot to do our icebreaker. <laughs> now, this is a draft themed episode. So should we, what do you think? Should we go back and do our icebreaker or should we just like maybe leave it to the end and just get right into more stuff about the draft? Let's do more stuff about the draft. I say we okay. will end with an icebreaker. <laughs> Yeah, we don't want people to think that we like aren't going to do icebreakers because that's like an important part of the what podcast. Yeah. <laughs> this one will be an ice maker. It'll be at the end where we're putting oh back God, the it. ice and then <laughs> it's worth doing the part where you have to like refill the ice tray, like which is like the not it's like not very fun, but it's totally essential and it gets you teed up for next time. Yes. I think that works. All right, well, let's keep talking about the draft then. Um, so I've been kind of deep diving into a little bit of kind of fun things that have happened in the NBA draft and maybe sometimes they were unique circumstances like we are kind of going into a unique draft. And so I've dived in and I found three instances of NBA draft firsts and we're not talking first picks. <laughs> so I've got the first international player drafted ever. In the NBA draft. Do you have a guess of what year that might have been? Um, okay, I'm not looking at the document, which we both put a bunch of notes down on. I promise I'm not looking at it. I'm going to guess. I don't know the year, but was it Clay Thompson's dad? No. Oh, bummer. I thought I, I thought it was. Okay, so I have no idea. 1960. I'm just throwing it out okay. as a guess. It's a 1973 pick by the Milwaukee Bucks, and he was from the Netherlands, and I am probably going to say this name wrong, and I looked very hard to try to find the correct pronunciation, but darn it, it's hard to find those. Um, uh, so Sven Nader from the Netherlands oh. was their pick. Yeah. Sven Nader, yeah. He, uh, um, so I listened to this podcast called, what is it called? In All Airness. And it's this guy who talks to, um, like old NBA players. And I believe that he had him on and it was one of the like super interesting ones. So what do you have about Sven Nader for us? Not much, but (laughs) he was that first international pick. But the thing that I kind of got sidetracked on, on my deep dive here is the second ever international pick, actually a blazer. Oh, who was Um, that? uh, Peter Gunmanson from the Iceland. No kidding. A 1981 pick. So maybe not a first NBA draft first, but a second. Um, I am amazed at that nugget of information. The Blazers first. So this was the Blazers first international pick and it was the second international pick overall. Yeah. And he was from Iceland. That is amazing. Yeah. I'm looking at Michael Thompson right now because I think that he might have been the first to – maybe he was the first to go number one, the first international player to go number one. 
because he was from the Bahamas. Ah. Okay, let's see. He was the first foreign-born player to be selected number one. Wow. And that was 1978. So, so there's our international segment. Oh, my God. I am f- so fascinated by that. What, what year was the guy from Iceland drafted? So that – it's funny because that's listed as 1981. So that must be wrong. Well, no, I think Michael Thompson was just the first one to be selected number one. Okay. Yeah. So, and that was the 1978 draft. So he must have been not the second. He must have been, my order must be wrong. The Blazers must have not been the second to ever select someone. Oh, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Well, that list that I was finding is clearly not <laughs> as accurate as I thought, but it matched up with three other lists. So weird. Okay, well, I, um, I think we might, you know what, it is um, a Sunday after a busy weekend and our brains are getting ready to head into whatever. But I think the key thing is that the Blazers once drafted somebody from Iceland. Yeah, I mean, that's really <laughs> what I've taken away from this. Um, but I found another NBA first and those that is the collection of players in 1950 was the first draft to ever be called the NBA draft. We were no longer in the Basketball Association draft. So our NBA draft, first ever named NBA draft, was also the first draft where black players were selected. And so we've got Chuck Cooper, Nat Sweetwater Clifton, and Earl Lloyd were all selected in that 1950 draft for to be the first black players ever selected in the NBA draft. Which well, I and that was, was in the first year. Yeah. But they do count those 1947, 48, and 49 drafts as part of the NBA draft in a lot of uh, statistic senses, but right. it wasn't called the NBA draft. So I feel like when you, you know, you establish a new name, kind of new things, kind of like what we're doing we here. We totally relate. So I kind of picked 1950 as our starting point for the NBA draft there. But this was the one that kind of I was the most surprised by because I'd always heard another statistic for this fact. And that is the first woman drafted in the NBA. Um, oh. Not the WNBA. And that was 1969. The San Francisco Warriors, with their 13th pick, selected Denise Long Rife. And the pick was actually vetoed um, by the league because uh, at the time you couldn't draft right out of high school. And you couldn't draft a woman. But... She did end up playing for the women's affiliate of the San Francisco Warriors. And it was kind of a monumentous occasion because that team used their 13th pick to try to draft a woman. So, wow. That is, that's interesting. Imagine if the, the teams, what if it was like all a combined league? Like not necessarily that they were co-ed teams, but they were like run together and like part of all of that was like, okay, every, everybody was all put into the same draft. And so you had to decide like whether or not you were going to take someone for your women's team or someone's to your, for your men's team with your first round pick. I mean, I know that the NBA will never do this, but I think we have a video game on our hands for sure. Yes. <laughs> that, would that would be, be so interesting. Like I, you had to run them simultaneously. And we keep talking about that, but what if it was like the mid-season tournament and you didn't play for teams? It was like it was like playground basketball. Yeah. Or oh, you picked your teams too. that way. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And then everybody was in the pool. That'd be fascinating. So those were all <laughs> of my NBA draft firsts that aren't first picks. Those are all awesome facts. I love learning new things. I remember one time I went down a like a a Google rabbit hole about the draft and was learning about the NBA draft and like, you know, back in the day sometimes it was like you know, like a I can't remember, but like, you know, 10 rounds long or 15 rounds long and mm-hmm. just like went on and on and on yeah. forever. It's funny um, cuz the I found the the stat that I found blah. So the women, the woman that was drafted first, I had always heard that it was another woman and she was drafted 137th in the draft. And I was always like, 137th, that is a lot of picks. And and then I remember how many rounds it used to go. 
Right. And there probably weren't even that many teams too. So mm-hmm. like, um, do you, do you happen to remember, did she get a chance to like try out for the team? Yeah. And that became the first, that's kind of stated as the first, um, woman cause it was official. That wasn't a, mm-hmm. uh, uh, vetoed. That pick. one wasn't, and voided. that was, okay. uh, Louisa Harris, um, okay. who was, I believe that was, oh gosh, which team was? What doesn't even name where she was drafted? <laughs> Goodness oh, gracious. It doesn't even exist anymore. Well, we will, you know what? If our listeners know, they could tweet at us and tell us, um, if they found out or we could also just, you know, add it to the notes if we do find out later. Cause this is, I love all these facts. She was selected by the New Orleans Jazz. Oh, there you go. 137th pick. Wow. Okay. There's, I saw a lot on Twitter this summer as everybody was trying to find things to do while they were waiting, um, about how New Orleans needs to get their old name back. Yeah. I, about that? I completely agree because, okay. Utah fans that are listening, I'm sorry, but as a fan base, you're annoying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Okay, people. the media portrays you as really annoying. And so, also, name like three jazz clubs in in uh in Utah. Just I mean, three. Um I just feel like and then Utah has other things to offer that offer probably a better name to fit the place that they are. And I know they're going to throw a fit, but like change is good people and new names are good people. Here, we I'm trying to think of what I would change it to because I love Utah as like a, a destination to go visit. It's really incredibly beautiful and totally different from any part of the country. You know, they have the, the desert and the canyons and the incredible mountains and they have snow and they have like – all this fun stuff. Our best friends live in Park City, so we go visit them every couple of years. And it's like super duper duper fun. So uh, partly I think uh, people sleep a little bit on on Utah. Uh, but also, yeah, I think that the jazz deserve – or the um, New Orleans should be called the jazz. I don't know. Like the Canyon Lands or the – is it the Rockies that are – I don't even know which mountain ranges are in Utah. My geography is like super bad. But, um, you know, those beautiful – uniforms which i actually started to get really tired of after a while mm-hmm. that they have you know the ombre ones yeah um but those are like the colors of the canyons and the sand and the sunset and all of that and if they could like come up with some kind of a name that would be a great but we're not here to talk about the utah jazz um we're here to talk about the portland trailblazers so thank you for those first that were not first picked facts those were really fun um to bring it back to the Trailblazers, so I looked up some of the draft pro- uh, prospects that have been in the conversation about uh, for the Blazers. So what I thought I would do is I would tell you a little bit about what I learned about these guys, and we could rate our level of excitement since we're the excitement podcast um, <laughs> for like our our level of enthusiasm for like how we would feel if the Blazers decided to. Um, uh, draft one of these players. So I chose these players because they've been listed on a lot of like mock drafts. They've been profiled. Um, and because I thought they personally thought they looked interesting. Um, and so of course I say all this knowing that the moment I name them, it makes it like completely unlikely the Blazers are ever going to draft them because God forbid I would know the person <laughs> Blazers draft because I don't think I'd have you ever known like any of the players that the Blazers drafted I don't watch a lot of college basketball and I'm always like I have no idea who that is yes I have um I definitely knew Nasir Little if we're talking recent drafts mm-hmm. um but for some reason our draft picks that you know have been the most outstanding I was pretty lost on aka Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum so, you know, I, I heard those names and I was like, cool. I don't know who I've never <laughs> seen them play. Everything they're saying about them sounds fantastic. But who are they? Um, yeah. So definitely don't always know the players that they draft. Yeah, honestly, 
Honestly, I like admire people who decide to make drafts their thing because I don't know how they keep track of because they have to keep track of so many players. Yeah. And then like their stock rises and then it falls. And, you know, it's just I don't know. Like, again, I tip my hat to the people <laughs> who decide that they're going to make draft their thing. So a lot of the information that I got um, on Blazer local stuff uh, came from um, uh, Blazer's Edge and um holy backboard so like steve dewald and a couple of the other writers at blazer's edge did some profiles that i read and then uh sage and dustin from holy backboard also did a pretty in-depth um uh a draft special which i highly recommend going and listening to them because they have a really nice uh, especially sage just has such a great way of explaining like why somebody he thinks somebody might or might not work. Yeah. But I'm not going to go too deep into that. I'm just going to give you kind of a high level what I learned about some of these prospects. So the first guy I'm going to talk about is RJ Hampton. Um, why are we talking about him? Well, uh, at least until like this week, a lot of mock drafts had him being taken by the Trailblazers. Like ESPN is the one, and I think he's still on the ESPN board right now. CBS Sports, Tankathon, just they were all over the place. People uh, thinking that Hampton might go to Portland. So what is his deal? So he's 19 years old. He is from Dallas, Texas. When he was a junior in high school, he won Gatorade Player of the Year in Texas, which is an accomplishment for a junior. Uh, he uh, does not have the uh, normal path to through college. Uh, as you know, we were talking before, he went to play in the Australian Basketball League and he actually played for the New Zealand team in that league. He played there for a year. Um, let's see, a couple other just little things about him. Um, in a lot of his articles, uh, articles about him, it mentions his father. His father started training him from a very early age. He definitely considered Memphis before deciding to go overseas and uh, he still has some really strong ties to Memphis. So like he went over to Australia to play. He um, – it's, it's the same the same league that Lomelo Ball played in and um, uh, unlike Lomelo, Lomelo was like handed the ball and um, for uh, RJ, he was more like a role player. So he only played like 20 minutes a game. He didn't like have like, you know, big, ex big exciting stats or anything. Um, so like his uh, – he didn't really go and make a splash. But when he's asked about it, he explained that, you know, he did learn a lot. He liked being around, like, grown-ups who – he learned how to, like, be mature and, like, get ready for games and, like, have it be a lifestyle. Um, but anyway, back to Memphis. Since he came back, he got injured, came back a little bit early and has been uh, off and on training with Mike Miller and also Penny Hardaway some. Mike Miller used to be an assistant coach. He just quit. But um, he's been Penny Hardaway's assistant coach at Memphis. And so um, – He's been playing, he's been working with Mike Miller a lot on his shot. He has kind of a weirdo shot that, um, is like not, su wasn't super, uh, reliable. So he's been working on that. Um, it's a very swaggy shot, I will say. Oh like, yeah. He kind of shoots the ball like, like, I don't know how to describe it, but it's, it's kind of like this relaxed shooting motion where he's just kind of like, uh, yeah, like, I did that. Cool. Like, <laughs> I don't know. And when it goes in, he's got an amazing dance that he does. Um, you can thank my insomnia and access to Australian basketball for knowing anything about him. Um, but I just, the, the swagger in that shot, it is not reliable. It's slightly weird, but it is swaggerful. I will say. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> well, apparently Mike Miller, I don't know if he's taking away the swagger uh, and hopefully making it more accurate <laughs> or <laughs> if he's keeping the swag and also making it more accurate. I don't know. Um, so what people are saying about him is that, um, you know, he's one of those high upside guys, right? Kind of like Anthony, like where we don't really know. And there's been a lot of buzz about him. He was like a top five. He was projected like top five until he went off and like for, for went or decided to not go to college. Um, you know, so he's one of these guys that could have like a really high ceiling. We just don't know. Um, what I learned about him from his social media, because of course I stalked his social media. Um, he, uh, he has a, uh, 
uh, wardrobe aesthetic that I think that I can really relate to. Um, and I don't know if it's because of quarantine or what, but he has this and, – and, and some of the other players also have this, the, the young guys. They wear like – cute sweatpants that are like they're fitted sweatpants and they might have like a little bit of flair to them like maybe some like flames around the bottom or like a cute little graphic on the side or whatever or sorry a very cool and swaggy graphic on the side um and then he wears like a graphic tee on top of them and so i just can really relate to that sort of wardrobe selection he also has like a really giant michael jackson tattoo on his calf and a big uh muhammad ali calf or uh, on his on his thigh. Um so yeah, so what are your thoughts about um RJ Hampton? Like how excited are you? Let's say if you were going to rate him, let's do a rating. So like 1 to 5. Okay. Um like 1 being not at all and 5 like yes, Blazers have to choose him. Ooh. Um where do you fall? I think I'm going to fall hmm. I think I fall on a four when it comes to RJ Hampton, mostly because everything that I've heard about him makes me think that he's kind of that player who is going to come in a little bit more mature than a lot of other draft picks. Kind of that maturity of knowing that he thought playing professional ball somewhere was actually going to help him in a way be better than going to college ball for him. And I think to be able to make that decision for yourself and really think it through takes a lot of maturity. And then to play internationally, play professionally, have that time. I think he's an exciting prospect. The only reason I'm not up to a five is I'm excited to watch him play. I don't know if that place is Portland. I don't know if that's the fit, but I am excited to see what he does in the NBA. And if it is Portland, I'm excited to watch it happen. I think it's kind of cool. Penny Hardaway working with him, you know, Anthony named for Penny Hardaway connections Mm -hmm. as odd as they may seem. Um, I think they're not odd. Hold on to that. We're going to have some more Memphis connections. Okay. Well, I'm excited about him as a player. I don't know if Portland is the place, but either which way, I'm excited to watch him play. I would say four for him. I think I'd come down at about a a three and a half. Um, It feels like like, I'm kind of going two ways about the Portland guard situation because obviously they have two great guards, um, but they also can't – you can't only have two great guards. You have to have more guards and they do have more guards like coming a lot behind. We've got Anthony, we've got um, Gary and, and Nas. sometimes what? Oh, I guess oh, Nas is more No, he's more of a forward, more of a forward but wing. He's got some ball handling skills. Yeah. But like this year a lot of time they I think they had some success with the three guard lineup and part of me is like, why not? You know, like, why not just run three guards out there and then two tall guys and just, like, see how it goes? Because when you have – I don't know. I, I, I'm i not sure that it's something that you can do all the time. But I also kind of think, like, try it out. See what happens. And um, so, you know, on that, on that, I think it would be, you know, might be nice to have a young growing guard because the other thing is, is they need to develop somebody for the future. Like, I've sort of become a little bit obsessed with that over this long uh, layoff realizing that like, you know, Damian Lord and CJ McCall, like they've still got years, but wouldn't it be great to have somebody who'd already been developed in the program for quite a while, um, ready to take over when those guys are ready to uh, retire rather than just like, Oh my gosh, you know, Damian's gone. We got to like go out and get Ricky Rubio or whatever, (laughs) you know? So I'm about a three and a half, I think on, um, on him because I, Yeah. I'm going to move on. Okay. Sadiq Bay. <laughs> He's another one that a lot of people have um, Portland uh, choosing. And like last week when I started this list, a whole there were a whole bunch more, but they've sort of all kind of like over the last few days, people have suddenly decided that Portland are taking, are taking other people. But um, 
at one point, a lot of folks had Sadiq Bey uh, as Portland's choice. So who is he and where is he from? He is 21 years old. He was born in North Carolina. His mom played basketball for North Carolina Charlotte. Um, she uh, got into education. She has a PhD. She was a, college, or a high school principal and she's now an administrator in the D.C. area. Education is a big deal for this family. Um one interesting thing about Sadiq Bey is that he attended a super duper swanky uh, high school called Sitwell Friends School. Perhaps you've heard of it. I a have indeed. That you have heard may have. Uh, Chelsea Clinton went there. The uh, Malia and Sasha Obama both went there. Um, Joe Biden's grandkids went there. It's a like really it's really an academically focused school and it's only in recent years that the athletics have become more prominent and even when I and I, I went and looked on Wikipedia and like they didn't even have basketball listed at this point <laughs> as as something under there. At least I didn't see it. Anyway, um so his family oh also Bill Nye went there. Did you know that? Wow. Bill Nye the Science Guy. So, like, well, there you go, right? My stock is going up right now in Sadiq. For Sadiq Bay, I don't know what is. Um, but anyway, my point is that uh, uh, you know, education super important in the family. He went to Villanova. There's actually another player, Josh Hart from New or- from the Pelicans. He also went to Sitwell and then went on to Villanova. Uh, Sadiq Bey spent two years in Villanova and he made a huge leap from his first year to his second year. Um, let's see. Oh, so he is a six, eight. He is really versatile. And a lot of people think that he has very high potential to be like a straight up three and D guy. And you know how everybody, uh, every team wants to have like a solid three and D guy. He shot, 45% from three his sophomore season. So really good three point shooter. Um, I watched, I was watching his highlights and granted they were highlights. Um, but he shoots so fast. I don't know if you've ever seen him play, but like he gets his shot off so fast that I literally had to go check my video player to make sure that I wasn't watching it on <laughs> 1.25 speed. I was like, there's no way. <laughs> he does but shoot no. really quick. The best comparison to how fast he shoots is how fast Zion's second jump is. Like okay. Zion's second jump is that quick to as to he is to that fast shot. Like you're just like, where'd the what? ball go? Like yeah. how did you launch it so quickly? It yeah, it's like he's shooting it like while he's still getting into place. Yeah. And I just like I was just amazed at watching him and um and you know maybe maybe it's just because we had to watch like Alan Crabb and Myers Leonard hesitate for like two hours every time they got the ball <laughs> that it just seemed like he was really fast but uh, I thought that was fun because I really enjoy guys who shoot with confidence and uh, don't hesitate yeah um so. What people are saying about him, there's a little bit of some people say that his defense is good or questionable, and some people say it's questionable. It's, I think, really typical of, you know, drafts, right? You don't really know because, like, you don't see him against NBA. Um, but generally, people seem to think that he has um, a high, a solid potential for um Playing defense, kind of one of one of the knocks against him. He's not a great dribbler, um, and it, as I was reading about him, in a lot of ways, he kind of reminded me maybe a little bit of Al Farouk Aminu. Not just because his name ends with a Q, which I think is super cool, um, <laughs> just kind of like his lanky style. Um, although his shooting style is is very very different, but like yeah, watching him dribble is kind of like oh, this is an adventure. Um, let's see. Oh. What did I learn about him from social media? Cassidy, he's only posted to Instagram three times. This man is very Uh-oh. serious about his craft. He is not messing around oh, with no. Instagram. Maybe he has TikTok. I don't know. I didn't look, but I'm kind of guessing that he didn't. He's extremely serious. He's very studious. Um, he really, you know, 
tried to just you know he he may have considered staying for a, an additional year he again education is super important i really like i feel like he would be a good fit but before i say any more about that what's your rating for how um interested you would be in having him on the blazers wow bill and i had me at like a five but then <laughs> you know learning about the dribbling and you know the lack of instagram presence because i am looking for a hilarious social media presence on the next uh, on our team um because i think we might be losing our hilarious social media presence that is currently on our team it's been fun Hassan. um but uh i'd say that i'm at a three is my first initial instinct the dribbling kind of concerns me the lack of perimeter defense slightly concerns me a lot of it but I also think someone who can shoot really fast and just like if someone could just be in the corner and just shoot and do it really well and they could just get them the ball. You don't really need to dribble. Right. (laughs) Right. Like, I mean, maybe you'll work on dribbling the next season, but if that's how you could be utilized immediately, that might be a good option. Going to go with three. Although, you know, if Bill Nye becomes the courtside fan, I'm going to move that to a 10 out of 5. So, <laughs> or if the Obamas became courtside fans, I'd move that to like pretty high up there. But I think a 3 initially is my reaction. I think he's the kind of one of those players that we aren't going to see necessarily an immediate impact. This is someone I think in a few years who kind of grows into the NBA game who might be very impactful. But it might take a little bit of time, and my patience is very thin in this year of 2020. <laughs> so for me, I really um, – I have a hard time – you know, like basketball fit, I usually just need to kind of wait and see. I can't really – I don't – my brain doesn't like process that beforehand. <laughs> but personality-wise and fit-wise, I see him as a really good fit, and I'm really high on him. I'm like four and a half. Oh, wow. Least, okay. On Sadiq Bay. Um, partly because, um, he remind, not in his play style, and I know nothing about his, like, leadership or anything like that, but in some ways he reminds me, like, in his seriousness of Damian Lillard, and, like, how, back when he was young, we were, like, really surprised at how good and how ready he was, and we were, like, super happy with that, and then he started adding something new every year. And I just remember thinking, like, well, there's no way that he could add any more. He's, like, he's he's hit his ceiling. Like, there's no way that Damian Lillard could get better. He's he's hit his ceiling. So I've start, I've I've decided to, like, let go of that um, with thinking about other players, and I'm thinking, like, because like I said, one of the knocks about him is like, maybe he's as good as he's going to get. Maybe Sadiq Bey is as good as he's going to get. And I've decided, no, I don't think he needs to be. I think just because he played two years in college, that doesn't mean he's hit his ceiling. Oh, no. you know? And he just strikes me because of his studiousness and his seriousness as the kind of guy who would be like, okay, this time I'm going to add this. And now I'm going to add this. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I, I really like him. And just personality wise, he seems like he would be a fit. Cause like, you know, like, like you kind of mentioned, like the Blazers don't have, like since, since they lost Evan Turner and now if Hassan Whiteside moves on, if I could interest any team in a rebounding center, um, Godspeed. Uh, and he's hilarious. And he's very funny. He's very funny. Very fun. If you need somebody to be funny, Hassan Whiteside yeah. is your man. Dear Thank NBA you executives to- listening to this podcast. <laughs> um, Hassan Whiteside is really, I mean, but like the vibe of Dame yeah. and CJ is they're quite serious mm-hmm. and they're very earnest. And I just think Sadiq Bey would be, um, and so is Gary. So is Anthony. These guys are all like, you know, I guess Yusuf Nurkic is kind of the biggest goofball left. Um, you know, he likes to mess around and be silly or whatever, but otherwise it's a pretty serious team. That's true. I think they got their funny in them, but yeah, I think, okay, you might have, you might have moved me up to a four on this, but. <laughs> We're going to see. I mean, just because we brought him up, no one, the Blazers yeah, aren't going to take him. That's true. I also put a lot of stock in what players have lined their draft day suits in. <laughs> um, the lining is very important for me. Um, if you've picked something sentimental, points. Uh, if your lining is just basic, why? I mean, 
this is your time to buy a crazy suit. This is your time that someone is going to talk about you on the jump in 25 years because your suit was so crazy. So, I mean, really go for it. So suits can really make a difference for me. These these numbers can completely change after I see what they're wearing in their living rooms on Wednesday. <laughs> I will definitely we will definitely be uh texting each other during this yeah. so that I can get your get your reactions. Okay. Uh Tyrese Maxi, I'll go on a little try to go a little bit faster these last two. Uh Tyrese Maxi is also from Texas and um before I say anything else about him Okay, uh just like on Sports with Katie Nolan, we do not objective we're not going to objectify athletes on this podcast. That having been said, Tyrese Maxey is adorable. Like he is so cute. Like I just want to like feed him cookies and like drive him to practice. Like I, I he just is just he just has this little kind of glow about him which I just really enjoyed. So, that having been said, also from Texas, um, he won Mr. Basketball in Texas the same year that RJ Hampton won Gatorade Player of the Year. So I thought that was interesting. Um, he went to Kentucky. And the thing that one of the things that I find really interesting about Tyrese Maxey and partly one of the reasons that he like wormed his way into my heart, um, he participated in the Clutch Pro Day, you know, um, that was like televised. Anthony Edwards was in it and Tyrese Maxey was in it and like all the big star clutch stars showed up to sit there and be cool or whatever. And when he was asked about it, somebody he was being interviewed, like, what was it like to be there? And he was like, it was really cl- cool to be there with like AD and LeBron and Gary Trent. And I was like, you won me over. Like you said it in that order and I like went back and rewound it and I was like, okay, you're my guy. Yeah. <laughs> he sees Gary Trent like basically right up. No, I don't know if he just sees him right up there, but I just thought. I mean, he's adorable. clearly in the top three. I mean, that's what he said. Those are the yes. words. Yes. <laughs> we are holding him to that. That is the order. Well, and then another little thing is that when he was asked about who he models his game after, he said he models it after CJ McCollum. Somebody's a blazer fan. Somebody's been watching the Blazers is all I'm saying. Um, let's see. He's been before the bubble. He was working out with Rajon Rondo. Um, oh, so like all this is to say, obviously he's a guard. <laughs> Uh, he's not a very big guard, um, which again, like if the Blazers want to go all in and just like play a three guard lineup or a four guard lineup or a five guard lineup, whatever, right? It's 2020. Anything can happen. Um, you know, it's kind of the same thing that I was feeling about RJ Hampton. Like, you know, sure. Why not? Um, Sage from Holy Backboard uh, had a really interesting write-up about him. And he talked about players from Kentucky. And uh, one of the knocks on Tyrese is he's not a – wasn't a great three-point shooter in college. He only shot like 29.5%, I think. Um, but also what Sage pointed out is that like they're just – they don't have spacing. Um, he didn't have any spacing around him. So he just – you know, didn't have much room. So did you, did you, do you recall watching any of him play? A little bit. Um, vaguely, I didn't watch very much Kentucky in the last few years. Uh, but I remember him playing with just kind of like a joy of playing basketball, which I always really appreciate in a player. And so, yeah, he just seems like an enthusiastic player on the court. Yeah. He, um, uh, what did I learn from his social media is that he also favors the same kind of outfits that RJ Hampton does with the, the, you know, the nice fitted sweatpants with the graphic tee on top, which I can appreciate. Um, he also, his letter for saying goodbye to Kentucky when he declared for the draft, he posted it and it was so sweet. And I just like, it was like, you could tell that it was like he worked on it in class because it was like introductory paragraph, three supporting paragraphs and a conclusion. <laughs> he put it up there. So I think, I think it's sort of like my momness like sees him as like, you know, a young guy that I really want to see succeed. Um, not sure how I feel about him as a blazer. What do you think? What, how would you rate your enthusiasm for him on the blazers? Oh, my enthusiasm for him on the blazers is a lot lower than my enthusiasm for him in the league. Uh, <laughs> but I think, I think a solid three here. 
maybe a 3.5 just because I think watching Nasir Little and him being so happy to play basketball together would warm my heart. It would just warm my cold, cold heart so much. Um, <laughs> but I think, I mean, okay, maybe his Blazer fandom is pushing me higher to be more closer to a four, but I just, I don't know if a small guard is what this team needs. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stick with a three. But with any of these players, they get drafted. I'm going to go up to a five. I'm going to be their biggest fan. I'm just going to be excited that they're there and they get a chance. But I yeah. don't know if a small guard is what this team needs. So I'm going to go with a three. I think I'm in about the same place as you are. Um, You know, despite how, uh, uh, cute and his personality seems to be fun and he uh, watches the Blazers. Um, just not sure that, uh, you know, like, would he be threatening Anthony for minutes when we're like ready to see Anthony out there? Yeah. Maybe it's a good thing that there would be competition. I don't know. Um, or maybe the Blazers will revolutionize with their 12 guard um, roster. It's all guards <laughs> all the time. All guards and Yusuf I mean, Nurkic. The, the, uh, the Knicks can be all power forwards. So, you know, why not? Okay. The Knicks the can be whatever they want to be because no one <laughs> is, you know, holding them to God it. God bless the Knicks. I have a friend coming to town next weekend or, well, he's coming. You know, this is a weird time to travel, but I get to meet in purpose on, <laughs> on purpose outside six feet apart, masked up uh, with somebody from New York who's a huge Knicks fan next week. And believe me, I have a lot of questions lined up. Okay. The last person we're going to talk about is Precious Achinua. I practiced saying that and I just failed. Um, Precious Achinua. Okay. Why are we talking about him? Again, uh, several places had him uh, going to the Blazers. He is 21 years old, so he's a little bit older, just like Sadiq Bey is. He was born in Nigeria. He uh, has an older brother who actually played at St. John's with Maurice Harkless. His older brother, whose name is God's Gift, um, they the the family has like inc- these like, beautiful, incredible names. Uh, but his older brother, God's Gift, uh, realized that Precious was uh, a really good basketball player. And Precious grew up playing soccer, um, was not interested in basketball until he grew and, and started like dominating everybody or like being too tall for the pitch, basically. So his brother saw his potential and his brother, act- as far as I can tell, his brother actually brought him over um, and figured out a place for him to go to school so that he could develop um, his basketball talents. So he's one of these um, guys who has actually went to like three different high schools, try to find the right fit for, you know, both what he needed, you know, as a young kid and also, you know, to develop his basketball talent. He ended up at Montverde in Florida, which a lot of, you know, a lot of NBI guys went there. I think that's where Joel Embiid went. Mm-hmm. Um, and here we come back to Memphis. He went to Memphis for a year. Um, he, uh, he had a really good season because like James Wiseman was supposed to be the guy at Memphis, but he had to leave after a few games. Um, and so Precious got his minutes. Basically he played 30 minutes a game. Like he played a wow. lot and he had, you know, um, I don't think I wrote down his stats, but um, he did pretty good. So like, who, like who is he as a basketball player? So he's a six, nine forward center. So he's not a huge forward center. Um, I when I was originally reading about him, he kind of reminded me of a little bit of Noah Vonley. And then I got a look at him and I was like, no, he's not. <laughs> he's like a way smaller version. You know, um, he's got arms and legs for days, just like Noah Vonley did. But he doesn't have the same caboose, let's say, as Noah Vonley did. He's a lot uh, skinnier. So maybe he could get um, bulk up a little bit. But, but he is 21 years old. Um, he's versatile. He is a good defender. He's not afraid to take threes and he's not terrible at it. Mm-hmm. So he's, he was like 32% on, a, you know, a couple, uh, threes a game. Um, he was really fun to watch his highlights. Again, I watched his highlights and then I watched some not highlights. Um, and 
yeah, his highlights were fun. He plays with a lot of – he gets downhill. Like he's a big dude who goes hard to the basket and I thought, ooh, that's really fun. Mm-hmm. Like that's really fun to have a giant guy. Not who just like hangs out underneath the basket but like runs to the basket with all his might. Yeah. <laughs> Some amazing dunks that I uh, super enjoyed. Um, he wore a headband. I thought you might like that. Points. <laughs> um. So yeah, I guess that's about it for for Precious. What do you think about him as a potential blazer? Okay, so I may be a little bit biased because I have watched a little bit more Memphis basketball than the other teams. Um, although I'm pretty sure I've seen more RJ Hampton than I have seen of Precious. I am all for this. I think that this could be so much fun. I think it's a little more risky of a pick, but I think players who have soccer backgrounds are fascinating to watch. I agree. They are so much fun. It's like watching players with dance backgrounds to a certain extent, like Kemba, but it also, it opens you up to see passes that I don't think a lot of people see because when you play a sport like soccer, you you begin to see a broader sense of your ability to pass, I think, when you bring it into a basketball sense because you are seeing – you're used to seeing a wider picture. And so then when that picture is all brought in on to you, if you can focus on those details of the picture, you can become such an amazing passer. And so I am pretty high and mighty on this, this pick. I think – I'm at like probably a 4.5. I think he plays with a lot of excitement, a lot of fun. Um, I, I think this could be a really, really fun addition to the team, especially if you could train him to be, to play more of a forward role than a center role. Cause I think we have centers, uh, but well, we have eight. I don't know what Zach Collins is. I know we talk about this a lot. I don't know what Zach Collins plays anymore. I think maybe I'll know next season to be continued. Um, but I think that this is a fun pick. I like watching players who are willing to just run into a brick wall to catch a ball. And he is willing to run into a brick wall to catch a ball. He will just dive. He like flies. He just, I'm for it. And I think that he's also a player that seems to take that criticism and that critique well based on what I've watched in that that year at Memphis. And so I think that kind of player will do really well in Portland because we have a team of players who are very good at explaining what they need from their teammates and what they'd like to see from their teammates. So I'm at a 4.5 of excitement. I think this could be... Super duper fun. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm right there with you. I, um, I think that, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Wenyan Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Um, and in any case, I think the Blazers could use a forward or center to be keeping Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins honest. Yep. You know, like right now they're kind of the guys and there really isn't anybody for them to – well, except for Hassan, but we've already talked about that. There isn't really anybody else to like come in for their roles and I would like them to be playing like someone is coming for their minutes. Yeah. And um, I think that a guy like Precious who's a little bit older, a little bit more mature um, might – be somebody who can give them that little bit of a spark. And if nothing else, if they don't feel like that he's coming for their minutes, at least he could challenge them in, um, challenge them in practice, yeah. right? Like the way that he scored, he's not, <laughs> he takes some really questionable shots. Like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> like even Damian Lord was not putting that one in. <laughs> but I think that like the willingness to shoot is almost something I like to yeah. see from a young player because they tend they tend to kind of become less willing to throw a ball crazy in the air when Damian Lillard is across the court from them because they know and they know they might get pulled off and they know that their minutes are limited. So I think a player who's willing to take shots is a little bit easier to coach than a player you're having to force to take shots. 
That's true. And we've just talked about what it was like having players that hesitate. Yeah. I think <laughs> so we want everybody taking all the shots basically. Yeah, and I think that that's that's also been kind of a motto of Stotts and this Blazer era of take the shots. Shoot. Mm-hmm. I mean, take the shots, Stotts. Yeah. I mean, Stotts loves shots and I think we could give him a shot. How is that not his nickname, take the shot, Stotts. I don't know. I don't think coaches get nicknames in the way players do, and I think it's a travesty in reality. Oh, my gosh. Cassidy, I can't wait till the next time we talk because I have a whole bit about coaches this year. I think coaches are like the new personalities, and it's just like y'all are trying to. I also have no idea who's <laughs> coaching any – like I know because I've read it, but then like – I think about it and then I'm like, wait, who's coaching where? What's happening? Who, where is Becky Hammond the head coach? Oh, she hasn't been named a head coach yet. Um, what y'all doing? <laughs> and like assistant coaches are the new, like, you know, the big three. Oh, like yeah. now you have to have a head coach with two big name assistant coaches. It's yeah. like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I, Who knows how long that's going to last. And if that is the new trend, I want to see more head coaches getting more technicals. Because you got the big name on the thing. I want to see you getting kicked out of games. Ooh. I want to see you yelling. Spicy. Yeah. Let's up <laughs> the spice level. <laughs> I like it. Well, Cassidy, we should wrap it up here. Uh, but we promised that we were going to do the ice maker at the end. Um, so to like kind of bring us back to where we started, um, I'll ask the icebreaker. Which is now that we have we established we have a take our new podcast. What are you looking forward to uh, with this you know new attitude, new format, new name? I am so excited to explore different elements of what makes basketball fun for us. Why, as fans, are we so obsessed, and why does it provide? such a level of comfort and joy in our lives. And I think that's so important. And I think I'm also extremely excited to be joining the Blue Wire Hustle family because we have a chance to kind of connect with so many amazing creators and amazing voices in this sports community. And I am beyond excited to get to know people, hear their takes, learn from others, and be part of kind of a bigger sports podcasting community. Love it. I'm so glad that you brought up uh, Blue Wire Hustle. So, uh, you know, for a long time, we were hosted by Blazers Edge, and that was awesome. And they, like, gave us our start. And we are so grateful for, you know, uh, everybody over at Blazer Edge. They're just awesome people. And if you don't follow what they're doing, you should immediately go do that. Um I, you know, we've now joined the Blue Wire Hustle podcast incubator, which I think is a super cool thing. And it just felt absolutely right for me because for a long time, I really admired what Blue Wire does, like with their, you know, their main stuff. They have a lot of um, really diverse voices and they really like try to make sure that they're doing that. And so they started this incubator program for people who have new podcasts, uh, doing it in a way where like we all support each other and we, um, you know, share with each other and learn from each other. And I just think that's, um, I'm really uh, looking forward to being a part of that community. Um, the other thing I'm looking forward to is that I think for a long time, I was really concerned about learning about basketball so that I could sound like I knew what I was talking about <laughs> and that I could possibly be right. And I feel like I've just sort of let go of that. And I just want to now learn for the sake of learning and sharing. Um, because I think I was worrying about things that I didn't need to worry about. And that's kind of like the story behind like we have a take. It's like for so many years, like people give takes and because they're associated with, you know, a big network or they're media people or they're insiders, like we automatically assume that their take is right and it's the only one. And I always was afraid to like have any other kind of take. And I've just sort of like, like I said, just like let go of that. Like I can think crazy things about what the Blazers are going to do. And that's like totally okay because we're fans and we're doing it for entertainment and we support them and we want mm-hmm. them to be successful. So if we think that we want somebody on their team because Bill Nye, the science guy, went to the same high school, like, that's fine. <laughs> like, it's yeah. silly, 
but it's fun. And that's what we're in this for. But also basketball is part science, so he could help. I know. I know. Well, I mean, <laughs> gosh, that's kind of one of the things that was a bummer about losing Anthony Tolliver is because he was like so good and he had that whole, um, he has, he, he was an investor on that mm-hmm. system that everybody uses. And I was like, Oh, it'd be a bummer to have him like not be able to tell us about that. But anyway, um, Cassidy, it's been super awesome to have this conversation. I can't wait to do more. I can't wait to see what happens this week. It's going to be nuts. Um, so on our way out, I'll just say that, uh, again, you can find me on Twitter at TCB Biggs. Our handle for the show now is at we have a take. So follow us on Twitter. We are in the process of getting ourselves, you know, in all of the different podcast feeds. So for now, we'll just put this out on Twitter, but soon uh, there will be a feed for people to subscribe to. So why don't you tell people where they can find you and take us out of here? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cassidy Gennett and you, I, they are words. Those are words. Um, one more second. <laughs> You know what? Let's just go out on that note because we're going to have so much more to say in the next, in the coming weeks. And I'll have more words later for you because words, words, words. Leave them wanting more. (laughs) Bye everybody.